called Weird, and uh, because normal's not working. And I've been looking this week, you know, or last few weeks, about just things in life that don't work normally, or it's kind of weird. And and I, I came across something that happened a few weeks ago, and it was this: is uh, we when the weather started changing, the birds came back, and I've got this little bird, a little woodpecker bird. It's white. If you've seen it, go ahead and pound on it. But uh, it's white, got a little black stripe kind of going down each one of its uh, 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 wings. And it is a little demon. It's picking holes in the side of my house. And so I declared war on this thing. I was like, well, what am I going to do? So at first I got my shotgun out. I thought, well, the neighbors might not appreciate that. I got my bow. I can't shoot that accurately. That's too small. And so thank you. Thank you. Uh, So we... uh, we tried different things, trying to figure out ways that we could stop this thing. And so we went to Walmart. All answers happen at Walmart, right? And we bought a fake owl. So we bought the fake owl, got the glass eyes, you know, put it out on the back, put rocks in it so it wouldn't blow over and all this kind of stuff. And sure enough, the little white woodpecker bird disappeared. I mean, I haven't seen it. it, hasn't, it it's working. I mean, you know, at least I think it is. I mean, I haven't heard it. I haven't seen it. You know, so it's, it's all good. But there is a robin that was very interested in the, the owl sitting on our back deck. And so it would fly by, and it would land in a branch about 10 or 15 feet away, and it would look like this, and it would fly off. You could tell it was ticked off because it was like, man, what's going on here? Man, this isn't right. You know, that, that's messed up. And so it would come back again and fly around, do this. I'm thinking, it's working. That, that owl is freaking that bird out. It does not want to be around here. So I'm thinking, dude. I'm going to go buy two or three more of these things, just have them plastered all over the place, you know. And so then the next day I come back, and guess what happened? The robin was sitting on the head of the owl on the deck. That's weird. Didn't work right, did it? So anyway, that's, that's what's been happening in my world, lots of excitement. Got owls with robins in my backyard. So last week we started this series off. It's called, called Weird because normal isn't working. And here's kind of how it works. It goes like this. It, it's normal to be in debt. That's normal. I mean, we just kind of, you know, to be in a financial backwards kind of situation all the time, that's normal. It's normal to see more marriages break up than succeed. That's normal. I mean, divorce is just a normal part of life. You don't like it, you just check out. That's normal. We got things like it's normal to be lonely. It's, It's normal to be miserable. It's normal to be unhappy. It's normal to be too busy. It's normal. I mean, all these normal things. And we're all living this normal life. It, it's normal to not be satisfied or to be in a place where you're just never content. You just, it doesn't seem like it's happening the way you want it to happen. Life isn't playing itself out, and so that's normal. Well, you're just normal. And, and you know, we're trying to challenge that, that maybe there's another thought or an idea. It's normal to struggle with our own weaknesses and our own brokenness. It's normal that we're part of that. And we just got to buy into this normal thing. It's normal to live in this, this vast lake, if you will, of mediocrity. You know, today the new normal is just being mediocre. You just kind of, yeah, just go through the motions. Just do what you do. Don't, don't do anything great. Don't be anything special. Just, hey, you're all right. Just be mediocre. That's normal. And so all these normal ideas settle in, and, and we begin to understand or think that that's the way we do life. And Jesus comes. And he says, wait a minute, I want you to be a little weird. I don't want you to do the normal thing. Go, don't just go with the crowd. Don't just do what everybody else is doing. Don't just fly the same way as everybody else is flying. Don't, don't be a part of that. I mean, find out what it means to be weird. 
Some of us, we need to be a little weird today. You know, maybe just kind of look at the person next to you and say, you need to be a little weird, or maybe you already are weird. Don't worry about it. Okay, yeah, three of you said that. You know, that's kind of awkward anyway. Yeah, you're weird. I'm weird. Everybody's weird. Yeah, okay. So it's normal to go through all these things. It's normal to be consumed with chasing a dream. We all chase this dream that somehow we're going to be rich, we're going to be successful, we're going to be somebody. And so that's just normal. I mean, it's just, that's just part of it. And so this whole idea of being weird then is, is a challenge to the normal part of who I am in life. And so that's what we're talking about in this series, and especially uh, about what Jesus taught about what it is to be as a weird follower of him. Now, over the years, I've, I've met a lot of people. You know, and, and there's some people that stand out, and there's other people that you're like, I wish they would just go away. But the people that have always stood out to me aren't necessarily the superstars. They aren't necessarily the ones that everybody goes, oh, wow. And they're usually the people that just something about them that's great. There's just something about who they are as a person that just draws you to them. There's just, there's just something about who they are and how they live their life. You go, man, I, I want to be like that. I mean, those, those are the kind of people that catch your attention. The other people are like, oh, man, that's a great ability, or that's great that they were able to accomplish that, and all those things are cool. But I'm looking at as a person, the people that I've always been drawn to over the years were, had this great characteristic. There was something about them that was different. I, I thought about it specifically back when I was in college, that I had a couple professors. Uh, one of them was Dr. Opal Redden. What a name, right? Opal. If you're named Opal, sorry. But... Opal was, was about five foot nothing, had blonde hair growing up and white hair when she got older. She was in her 70s when she was a professor at the college when I was back there. She just passed away last year. And she, she was amazing. I mean, she'd come in there, she just had this passion about her. She had this drive about her. And you knew that whenever she was around, that you were in the presence of somebody that was really great. You know, there was something different about her. I mean, and most people, if you asked her, well, who's Opal Red? And you wouldn't, they wouldn't know. Maybe people from the college would know. They would know, oh, yeah, Opal Redden, because they experienced and they were around that greatness that she had. There was something about her that was different than everybody else. And I can always remember, I said, man, the people that have influenced my life the most have been people like Opal Redden, because I looked at her life and realized there was something great about her, and it wasn't necessarily because she was this flamboyant, charismatic, jump higher than everybody else person. It's because there was something in her that made her great. And I thought about it, you know, what was it about her that made her great? You know, and she always said this one statement, it's, it's not my life. I'm like, it's not your life. What, what, do you, what do you mean? I mean, she'd always get up and says, it's no longer that I that live, but Christ that lives in me. She would say that all the longer, all the time. It's no longer I that live. In other words, she was clearly under the assumption that it wasn't her life, it was his life, and she was just living it out for him. That's what made her great. I mean, she had, she, her and her husband had planted or started hundreds of churches in Arkansas. I, I bet you if we were somehow able to gather all the people that she single-handedly had invested her life in and changed for eternity, it would be literally thousands of people. Never heard of her. But she's great. Thought about Harold Carpenter. I'm Opal and Harold. Harold Carpenter, another professor. I mean, he was, he was weird. <laughs> guy was weird he just you if you would see him walking down the street you would think is that a guy that's homeless or is that a guy that actually is a professor 
He was, he, that's what he looked like. You would never know it looking at it. You, you would run into him and talk to him because he, he wouldn't try to dominate the conversation. He wouldn't come in and say, I know everything. He, that just wasn't who he was. But you knew when you were around him and he began to talk and you began to feel and sense his heart that he was great. What made him great? What made him great? I mean, he was, he, I'd go out to his farm and he'd, he'd have livestock cruising around. You'd go into his house and it wasn't anything fancy. I mean, half of it was undone and it was always kind of half in construction, half out of construction. It was, like, it was like, what is this? But the guy was great. And there was something about him. And you know, just like with Opal, her statement is like, it, it, this isn't my life, it's his. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. That was her one statement. That man, I, it pounded in me, it pounded in me, it pounded in me. And Harold's statement, here's Harold's. Harold's statement is, the love of Christ compels me. You know what it compelled him to do? To give up everything else. And really, literally, as you read in Scripture and you hear about people that have given up everything, that somehow they might make a difference in somebody, that was that man. He was great. He was great. I was like, man, I want that. I want, I want to get a hold of that, that, that weird idea. To most, they were weird. But to God and to those that really got it, they were, he was great. She was great. Opal and Harold. Here's the deal. I think in the room today, there's several of you here that God wants you to experience greatness. That's the simple truth of today. God wants you to experience true greatness but many times we miss it we don't we don't we don't find true greatness because we don't understand greatness we, we have something that's been defined for us that's normal that isn't great at all but yet that's what we buy into it's part of our world but it isn't necessarily the weird world that jesus is talking about and 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 the, and the truth is is that god wants us to live differently and be a little weird and figure out what true greatness is all about so maybe today you're here and you're, you're maybe 15 and you might be a next herald that as your life is spent, people look back and say, man, I don't know what it was about him, but he was great. You might be in a position right now where you've blown it up to this point. You've you spent all your energy chasing after all kinds of other stuff, but yet for some reason God has you in this moment, in this place, and he's speaking to you right now about being great. God's doing that. So I think God wants to do that. He wants to call each and every one of us to a place of greatness, true greatness. That's weird because the world, again, it has this normal idea of what greatness is all about. I mean, it's, it's kind of different. It's kind of crazy. But we've got to understand the difference. And so today I want to look at a scripture in Matthew where Jesus is literally teaching specifically on greatness. He's, he's talking about something weird where, where even the disciples didn't really get it. I mean, we're talking guys that had traveled and walked around with Jesus, seen, seen him do miracles and, and do all kinds of amazing things, and they still didn't get it. And Jesus was speaking to them in this story that we're about to read, or this teaching, if you will. Because it's in, it's in Matthew 20, and it, here's kind of some background before we open up the verse, but it says this, uh, that, that James and John, who were Jesus' cousins, they came to Jesus with, his, with their mother. They brought their mother. I don't know how, what that was all about, but anyway. They brought their mother, James and John, and they came to Jesus and said, hey, we would like to be, when you get to be the king, we would like to be second and third in charge. We would like high places of position. We'd like to have a place of greatness with you. I mean, come on, we're cousins. 
We're family. I mean, you got to give us a special place, right? you got to put us in. A, and Jesus looks at him and goes, you don't get it. <laughs> Matter of fact, you don't understand what I'm talking about. I, if you want to be a part of me, he kind of gets on him. He says, you got to be willing to die the same death that I'm going to die. you got to be willing to be a part of who I am. you got to be willing to go the distance. And they're like, well, yeah, we've got it. And so he starts having a conversation with them about this greatness that they didn't understand. Because they had a normal definition, they needed a weird definition. And so Jesus started talking to them, and, 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 and what's funny about the story, and you can go back and read it, is that the other disciples, there was 12 of them, two of them, James and John, come up and said, hey, we'd like to be great in your kingdom when it comes. Can you make that happen? You know, we're cousins. And the rest of them heard about it and said, who do you think you are? So you kind of got this thing that they're all puffed up and getting all up in every, everybody's face. Well, you think you're better than me? You think you're better than me? You, you, hey, hey, hey. And they're arguing about who's great. But they're arguing about greatness based on what the world around them was defining as greatness. In other words, it wasn't even the right argument. And so Jesus, this is where we pick up the story. It says, but Jesus called them together and said, he, it's kind of like, hey, guys, come on, come on. Let's, we we got to talk about this. You're, you got to see this. Jesus calls them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people. He's talking about a normal view of greatness. The rulers in this world lord it over their people, and the officials flaunt their authority over those under them. So that's normal. You don't want to be a part of that. That's, that's, not, that's not my kingdom. That's not true greatness. That's something totally opposite. That's, come on. So then he, he starts breaking it down, and he says, but among you it will be different. In other words, it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird. It's not going to be the normal. It's not going to be what everybody else defines as greatness. It's going to be something totally different. That's what God has for you. That's what God has for me. That's what God had for Opal and Harold. I mean, that's what God wants to do. It's, it's different. It's different. Everybody else is doing that, but I want you to do this. It's different. It goes on, and whoever wants to be a leader, have that position. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first, greatest, among you must be your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. I mean, there's a ton of stuff. We could spend weeks literally talking about these few verses right here. But here's, here's what's going on. First of all, Jesus talks about the normal view of greatness. And, and, you know, and, and my question to you and I is this. How would you define it? If you were going to define greatness today, how would you do it? Would you, would you look at those in the, in, on TV and say it's the, it's the politician that makes the big calls? It's the, it's the sports star. It's the movie star. It's the, it's the one with all the money. I mean, how would you define greatness? The one that got the Nobel Peace Prize. I mean, how, how, would you, how would you define greatness? And Jesus begins to unpack it for them a little bit. And normally, here's what happens. This is the normal view, is that we view those who have power as great. And that's what Jesus was talking about. Those that lord it over other people, or they have authority. We view those who have power as great. Jesus, is, Jesus challenges the normal, and we assume, here's what the assumption is, is that if a person has control over other people, they are automatically great. If you're the boss, you're great. How many of you know that not every boss is great? <laughs> right? So maybe that's not true. Maybe, maybe just because people are in a position of power and control, they're not automatically in the category of greatness. 
But see, that's where we get that confused because the, the more control, the more greatness, the more power we automatically assume that, and Jesus said, no, that's not how it works. That's not what it is. That's normal. That's how the world does it. And also, there's, there's a little thing that's happening in here that's the authority thing. If, if they have authority, this is what we assume, if they have authority, or a better way to say it, if they are free from being accountable, they are great. In other words, nobody tells me what to do. Nobody, nobody tells me what to do. I'm under the control of no one. That's greatness. I mean, come on. You can, that's, yeah, man, I like that one. And he said, no, that's not it either. You know, and, and really, it's kinda, it could go something like this. Is I, don't, I don't have to be under anyone. And here's where I think the challenge comes for us today in this one little thought. Because a lot of us, that's how we live our lives. We, don't, we really think or dream of a normal, great life as being to a point in our lives where we don't have to be accountable for, to anybody and we're in complete authority of every, everything we want to be in authority over. And Jesus says, time out. That's not greatness. That's just you being your own God. That's just you being your own God. So then another one here, and just throw these out real quick. We, we look at achievements as great. And the word flaunt, it's like, oh, yeah, look what I can do. Oh, yeah, look what I can do. Oh, yeah, look what I have. Oh, yeah, look how, oh, oh yeah, look how many titles I, oh, yeah. <laughs> you got this flaunting thing of authority that we look at achievements as great. And Jesus says, that's not it either. So it's, it's not with power, it's not achievements. Or here's another one, we view those who look great to be great. I mean, if you got the look, <laughs> you're great, right? You got the look. I mean, you got, you, got, you got the right clothes on, you're driving the right car, you got the right house in the right neighborhood, you, got the, you, got, you just got the look. That's great. Let me, let me say something about this one. Here's what I'm learning about people, and this is just an observation. Most of the people that struggle with the look are the most miserable inside. Because they're trying to be great in a way they can never be great. <laughs> it's, a, it's a constant never there. It's a constant battle. I'm trying to be great, but I'm, I want the look. If I just had the look, and they're miserable on the inside because it's not working. Jesus said, that's normal. Let's try weird. Let's try weird. Let's see if we can work this out. So it's those who have power we think are great, those who have achievements, those who look great to be great, and appearances can be deceptive. So what's the weird view of true greatness? What's the weird view of true greatness? And Jesus gives that, and he said, it'll be different. <laughs> Here's what he said. It'll be different. It'll be weird. It's not going to be like what everybody else is doing because what everybody else is doing is normal, but you're going to be weird. That's what it's going to be. And so we, he, he kind of unpacks this a little bit. So Jesus gives him this idea, and here's how it goes, simply like this. First one is true greatness focuses on an outward, or excuse me, on an inward desire. And I kind of feel like after I put the notes in there like that, that we need to put the word holy beside it. True greatness focuses on an inward holy desire. And here's kind of how it works. God gives you and I, each individual, an ambition Every person in this room has desire. Every person in this room has ambition. Every person in this room has wants. And he said in the text, whoever wants, you long, you desire for this. The trick of this whole thing, he says, your ambitions need to be trained. Your ambitions need to be directed. Your ambitions need to be pointed in the right direction. Because if you just go on your ambitions alone with no direction, you're not going to find greatness. 
You're not going to be in that place that you need to be or you want to be or you hope to be. I mean, it just isn't going to work out the way you planned it. Doggone it. True greatness focuses on an inward holy desire. It's not a position, an office, or a place of leadership, or a level of power, or control, influence, fame, ability, a look. It's none of those things. It's answering the question, what do I want? What do I want? What do I desire? That's where it starts. Greatness starts with a desire. Greatness starts with something inside me that says, this is what I want to be. He said, okay. Let's make sure it's pointed in the right direction. It's okay. you got desire. I put that desire in you. That ambition, it's in your, I put it there. Let's make sure it's pointed the right direction. You know, in, in the normal direction is usually selfish, but Jesus said, hey, let's point it in the right direction, which is selfless. Point the heart in the right direction. Look at Philippians 2, verse 3. It says, don't be selfish. Here's the right direction. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. By the way, others won't define your greatness. Only God will in the end. Just, just a heads up. I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to go, well, they're great. And God's going, well, you're not really the guy making the call. <laughs> you know? I mean, so don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. It's an idea of humbling or bowing. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. In other words, don't make it all about you. Don't, don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. I mean, don't get so self-absorbed. Nobody wants to be around you. Don't get so caught up in who you are that nobody wants to be around you. That's what he's talking about. Get your desires pointing the right way. Get your desires. So, so here's the point. If it, it's not so much what we do. This isn't in your notes, but maybe it's worth writing down. It's not so much what we do for God as what we are in heart and spirit before God. Let me say that again. It's not as much what we do for God as what we are in our hearts and our spirits before God. It's, it's inside the heart. See, greatness starts there. Greatness starts there. So who are we? I mean, if that's what it is, it's who are we? Here, here's a real quick synopsis of who we are. We are broken. Broken. Yeah, that's me. We were bought at a crazy price. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> Jesus paid a price I could never pay. Yeah, okay, I got that. Uh, we, we, are, we are created for a relationship for God, with God. Yeah, that's me. That's you. We rebelled and rejected God and didn't want the relationship because we wanted to try our own thing. That, yeah, that's me. And yet he pursued me and pursued me and pursued me and pursued me. Yep, that's me. That's who we are. That's who we are, and that's what God's doing. And so right now, because of all that, I become this servant or this slave of love and grace. I was never before. The love of Christ tells me to do what I do. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. It's no longer my life. It's not me. It's him. So all of a sudden, this starts coming alive. So the normal is to focus on the outward. And Jesus is saying, it's not measured by how many people serve me or you, but it's by the condition of my heart. So I need to stop defining greatness by the external and stop, start defining greatness by the internal condition of my ambition. 
Does that make sense? Give me one nod and I'll keep going. Otherwise, I'm going to do it again. <laughs> All right. So here's the next one, real quickly. True greatness is founded on God's pattern. Here's what it says in the text. It says, even the Son of Man did it this way. Even Jesus did it the way we're talking about doing right now. So you think if it's good enough for Jesus, it might be good enough for me. If it's the way he did it, maybe it's a good pattern or a good example for me to do it. Maybe that's the way the greatness, because truly Jesus was great, and he's saying, hey, follow me. <laughs> Come after me. So there's this pattern. Even the Son of Man, the way of greatness is found by living according to God's values. It's being great in him, things like humility or, or great in character, great in wisdom, great in self-control and patience and love. It's, it's making this understanding that the greatest thing that I can do with my life is to pattern my life after the one that created me. That's where greatness comes from. Even the Son of Man did it. First Peter 5 says this, all of you, all of you serve each other in humility, for God opposes the proud. We're talking about the pattern of God. God opposes the proud, but favors the humble. So humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. In other words, He will make you great. Because I chose His pattern, not mine. I chose to do it His way, not my way. I chose to go a different route. Though Everybody else, this is normal. I'm going weird. <laughs> I'm going after something nobody else does. So, trust in his pattern. So the normal is usually to be puffed up and proud and trying to make a name for myself. And so really what we need to do is stop trying to make our name for ourselves and begin to try to make a name for God. That's what I want to do. Next one is this. True greatness is being committed to God. Committed. Words like servant and slave. How many of you have got up this morning and said, man, I want to be a slave? That's not part of our normal thing, is it? It isn't something I just kind of, yeah, man, servant, slave, I can't wait, man. I'm looking forward to this, servant, slave, woo! But Jesus said, you want greatness? That's what you need to get up and say. That's what you need to be a part of. It's a decision to completely surrender my life to God. Here's how it kind of unpacks. It's this, it's this idea of exclusive only exclusive availability. That's what it means to be a servant or a slave. I'm exclusively yours, nobody else. I'm exclusively at your call, your beckon, whatever you want to do, that's what I want to do because I'm exclusively available to you. You see, the normal is that we're committed only to ourselves and the normal is that when it gets hard or it gets crazy and it's kind of challenging that exclusivity, <laughs> we run away. And see, if we only trust Him when it's easy, fair-weather followers never experience true greatness. Never get there. Like to, but never get there. And so true greatness is being fully committed to God. Galatians 2, and here's that verse from Opal Red, and my, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's dead. The old Troy no longer lives. It's a new Troy. The old way that I used to do life, the normal way that everybody else does it, that I don't do that anymore because, and he goes on, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
I'm a servant and a slave to God. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the motivation. And so the answer here is the normal is to be committed to our own comforts and our own conveniences. But God is saying, you want to be great? Start living and being exclusively available for me. Last one and we close. True greatness flows from a selfless sacrifice. I wrestled with what word to put in here because I didn't know what word fit the best. Jesus said this. He said, the Son of Man, <laughs> even the Son of Man did this, and he came. Let me, I want to read it exactly so I don't mess it up here. It says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So here's the deal. Greatness comes from sacrifice. I don't know if I like that. Man, doggone it. Is there a be- Can you do a different message? I don't know. I'm, this is the weird thing that God has. And so sacrifice, because I am a servant and a slave, another word for this is consecration. And consecration is a big kind of theological word that simply means to be associated with the sacred. How many of you would like to say your life is associated with the sacred? See, Jesus is saying this. He said, here's the deal. When you make your life an association with the sacred, all of a sudden greatness can begin to flow from your life. That's when it happens. That's when it happens. And so when you say, I want to be associated with the sacred, you understand that my life has a grand purpose and that greatness flows from a life that's been given away to be used for God's holy purposes. Sacred. Listen to what it says in Peter. And by the way, he's talking right after the, in this text about how people that have come to this understanding of being servant, slave, available, sacrifice. It's right after this. He says, you won't spend, when you get to this place, you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires. That's not what you're going to do. But you will be anxious to do the will of God. You have had enough of that. In other words, man, you tried that, you did it, You've had enough of it in the past and of the evil things that godless people enjoy. I put in my notes, the normal life. And their immorality and lust, their feasting, their drunkenness, their wild parties, their terrible worship of idols. I mean, all the things that we think is great. He said, man, junk that stuff. Junk it. Of course your friends, I love this, of course your friends are going to be surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. In other words, they're going to look at you and go, you're weird. You go, I know. (laughs) And I'm loving it. It's cool. It's greatness. It says they will, so they will slander you. But remember that they will have to face God who will judge everyone, both the living and the dead. In other words, they're going to have to give account for their own greatness someday. Just like you're going to have to give account for yours and I'm going to have to give account for mine. And so the normal is to chase after our own desires, but what we need to do today is we need to start chasing after God's purpose to be a holy, consecrated, sacrificial vessel that he can use. That's a lot of words, wasn't it? Holy, sacrificial vessel. (laughs) Basically, that means a life that God can flow through because he wants to use me. As the worship team comes up, and we get ready to respond in singing and, and allowing God to speak to our hearts through this. And by the way, our songs today, Duran didn't know exactly what I was going to talk about, but you'll notice the first two songs specifically speak about what we're talking about in the message. I think God does that sometimes. And so here's the deal. 
It says in the text, everybody won't understand what's happening to you. You've got to go, okay, that's cool. I'm, I'm down with that. I want to be great, not just normal. I want to be a little weird, and I'm willing to chase after true greatness. And here's, here's, here's a thought, is that everybody wants to be noticed. I think if you're, if you're a human being, you want to be noticed. Right? I, I think if you're here today and you want to be noticed, you want people to see you. I want people to see me. I want to be recognized. I want to be noticed. Everybody wants to be noticed and recognized. But Jesus, here's the greatness. But Jesus is more concerned about helping others to find life eternally than me to showcase my own life for others. Just that's the way it is. Like, wait a minute, I don't know if I like that. Well, that's greatness. That's what Jesus is talking about. He said, hey, you want to be great? Let me talk to you about great. This is what it is. This is where it comes. So here as we close, what would happen? What would happen if we made individually and as a group it our goal to chase after true greatness? What would happen in your life? What would happen if all of a sudden you started pattering your life after Jesus' example instead of your own whatever? What would happen in your marriage? What, what would happen in your relationships and your family? What would, what would happen at your job? What would happen? I think it would be good. Because I hope that somewhere in this room right now, there's going to be people that are going to look back, or maybe even right now, they're looking at your life, and they go, man, I don't know what it is, but when I get around that person, I can sense something great. And it's not normal great, it's God great. Because I made a choice today to say, Lord, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. What would happen if we made our goal to chase after true greatness and celebrate true greatness in our lives? That's what God wants us to experience. That's what God wants us to have. So if you're sitting here today and you're going, and I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I hear you talking. You can't come in. I, I, I hear the words. It doesn't make any sense to me. I, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. And here's one of the reasons why people don't get it. It's because the message of Jesus dying on a cross for you has not come alive yet in your heart. In other words, all that's in you right now is if we could somehow unpack it and undo it, the only thing that we can see is a spirit that's dead because of sin. I'm like, well, that's a mess. Yeah, it's a mess. It's broken. And so what happens is this, is that God, in his love, steps into humanity, and he died on a cross for you and for me. He paid my price. He ransomed me from death. And see, when I understand that, all of a sudden it clicks in my head, wait a minute, there's, there's a love story going on, and I'm the point or the target of the affection. When that happens, all of a sudden it's, whoa, 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 whoa. I might get an idea of what greatness is all about changes everything. Ever heard that phrase? This changes everything? What I just said changes everything. So heads bowed, eyes closed. You're saying today, Pastor, I've never accepted that amazing offer of love of Jesus on the cross for my sin. I've never taken it personally into my heart. I've always just kind of looked at it from afar. It's always been a good church thing, but I realize right now I need 
Jesus to forgive me and make me new. Can't do it myself. I bro- I'm broken and I need Jesus to restore life in my spirit. If that's you, would you just wave your hand at me? Yeah. Yeah. I'm broken and I need Jesus to restore life in my spirit. Yeah. Lord, I pray for every hand that's raised, that every person that reached out to you in this moment, it's faith, God, it's trust, it's nothing we can do, so Lord, we just have to accept it. Say, Lord, come, give me life. Lord, may the work of the cross make me alive right now, not because, Lord, of something I did, but because of something you did in love for me. And so, Lord, open my heart, open my my life to you right now. I want to find greatness, and I want to understand what's going on here, but I know the only way I can do it is when I allow you to have complete control of who I am, to be my Lord, my Savior. In Jesus' name, let it be so. Amen.